Okay. Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, amma ba'd. I'm really happy that we're having this conversation. And I wish we could have more of it. And the fact that many of you showed up is a testimony that we all care about this topic. Whether you're married or about to be married or hoping to get married one day, it's really essential. I mean, a lot of people do not, perhaps do not understand the magnitude and the importance of having a good family. If you think of the family as a nucleus of the community, Of course, all of us know some of the verses in this topic. One of the verses we all start with is the verse talking about the fact that he has created, you know, uh, you know, the male and female, and that he created one from the other, and the fact that the reason is that so that it would feel peace and tranquility. So that's one reason. So the element of tranquility and peace is so essential. And he, he also said in that verse, And he has created amongst you mawadda. And mawadda, you know, one of the names of God is wadud. And wadud is the utmost love. It's not hub, it's even more than hub. So mawadda is one of the important qualities in a marriage. But there's also the compassion and mercy. So even when, when love is, say, on the low end, you got to remember compassion and mercy. Some people, when they feel like love is not in the air, as we say, they also forget compassion. And that's a problem. Now, I can perhaps narrate to you or recite to you all the verses and all the hadith, but what I want to do, inshallah, I think none of that is possible until we get one important principle, one important foundation. If we do not have this foundation, then lots of the marriages, if they don't fail, they're going to be miserable. And the only reason you stay is because of the kids or because of some social pressure. We don't want marriages to be like that. That's not the right way to enjoy marriage. Or some people think that marriage is, is a constraint. Like, I, I get married so that I don't do haram. Great. But marriage could be much better, much more fun. So, yes, it is a responsibility, but at the same time, it could be a fun responsibility. But what is that foundation? I'm going to start with one verse that you're going to think is totally irrelevant to the topic of marriage. And I'll, I'll tie it, inshallah, to our topic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Quran in a couple of places. فَمَا أُوْتِيتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Anything that you are given and now you have to pay attention to the words, every word. Anything that you are given, فَمَا أُوْتِيتُمْ Anything that you are given from, from anything in life. It's not just marriage. فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا It is from the joy of this life. 
And of course, everybody focuses on the second end. Like, okay, everything in this life is a transient, temporary joy. But they don't pay attention to the beginning. The beginning says, whatever you are given, meaning it is not your choice. It is not up to you. It's not under your control. You might say, well, what is the big deal here? What, what are you talking about? Essentially, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that many things in life are given to you. They're not up to you. Of course, there are a few things that are under your control, like what you do about it, your actions. But what you're given, like your height, your color, your tongue, a lot of people complain about them. Some people complain about their parents, their own parents. Like, I wish I was born in a rich family. The Quran is saying, stop bickering. Just accept it as it is. One of the biggest ways of relieving your stress is to admit that there are things that you control and things you do not control. In fact, this is the basis of the Stoic philosophy, but it is in the Quran. The Quran tells us that there are things that are given to you, you have no control over. And there are things that you control. Marriage, you might think, is under your control. Of course, I go and choose my spouse. So obviously, I think, you think, it's under my control. That part of it is, of course, you could say, uh, your choice. But you have no idea who that person is. No matter how much you study them, you do all your background checks on them, you ask the mother, the father, everybody. There is no way you're going to be able to foretell or determine how they're going to turn out. And until you live with them for years, you can't say, well, I'm going to go and live with them, like some people say. No. You're going to have to deal with the fact that the other person, the spouse, is not under your control. You cannot change them the way you want. You cannot mold them the way you want. The majority of the problems in marriages is about this. The fact that you want to change your husband or your wife. You want them to be the way you like it. You want them to think the same way. Now I'm going to mention a hadith and some people may not understand the hadith properly and they think it's a uh, it's not fair for the woman, but the Prophet said it that the women are created from a rib. And the problem is people focus on that part and they don't read on. What is more important is to read on. It says the rib obviously is not straight, and some people translate it as crooked. And crooked head has a negative connotation. This is not the intent of the hadith here. It's just telling you that women are not the same as men. The nature of women is not the same as men. I mean, a lot of men want to think straight, like they think they are very logical. Okay, but that doesn't mean that it is the only way to think. So the women, they think differently. 
And the Prophet said, If you think you're going to straighten up this, let's call it bent, instead of crooked, if you don't like crooked. <laughs> if you try and straighten it up, what's going to happen instead, you're going to break it. And what does that mean in real life? It means divorce, he said. He said. This is one of the basic problems in marriages. The husband wants the wife to think in a certain way, to act in a certain way. He does not appreciate the fact that she's different, that her nature is different. Same for the wife. Now, the first thing to realize is that this is not under my control. Let it be. I mean, I can tell you hadith after hadith that supports this idea. And quickly, I don't want to diverge too much, but look at this hadith, because it's also related, I think, in a way. The Prophet ﷺ told us in a hadith, عَجَبًا لِأَمْرِ الْمُؤْمِنِ إِنَّ أَمْرَهُ كُلَّهُ لَهُ خَيْرٍ إِذَا أَصَبَتْهُ سَرَّاءَ شَكَرْ فَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُ وَأَنْ أَصَبَتْهُ ذَرَّاءَ he said, the affair of the believer is so amazing because anything that happens turns out to be good. If, and this is where the wording is important because we don't pay attention to the wording sometimes. If something, if a matter of happiness happens to him or her, then they are grateful. Notice the Prophet did not say that you go after happiness, that you pursue happiness. What are we told every day? Oh, you're supposed to chase after happiness. You're supposed to pursue happiness. It's all about the pursuit of happiness. And the Prophet tells happiness happens to you. And if you're not paying attention, you're not going to notice it. And you're going to miss it. And that's what happens to most people. They live in such anger and frustration because they keep looking for something they're not going to find. It's nonsense. Look at everybody. They're looking for happiness. They're 60, 70, and they're still waiting for that moment to happen. That magical moment where everything will turn around. And I will live, what? Happily ever after. Is not what we teach kids? That's a lie. At least in this life, I mean, yes, we believe in, in happily ever after in, in Jannah. But we're teaching our kids that you can live happily ever after in this life. The Prophet ﷺ is saying, sarra. Happiness, what? Happens to you. So what does that mean in your family life? You know, moments of happiness. They're not far away from us. Imagine your kid smiling in your face. How many of us pay attention to that? Oh no, we're so busy looking for happiness, waiting for that moment. He smiles, you look away. That was a moment of happiness. You should have seized that opportunity and smiled back. And you know, the scholars have told us that if you want to seize the bounty, if there's a blessing and you want to seize it and not let it, not let it escape, be grateful. 
and it'll happen more and more. So this is really essential, the fact that realize you cannot change your spouse. You cannot change your kids. That's another big, big, big frustration. I was a doctor, I want him to be a doctor. I don't care what they aspire to be. We have to keep the family tradition. Oh look, they're gonna make me look bad. We say this all the time, we don't think about it. Who cares about you? Why are you so selfish? It's not about you anymore. Of course you have some control. But the control you have is when you spend time with your kids. When you give them an advice, a good advice. But you cannot determine what decisions they're going to make. You cannot mold them the way you want. We advise, we talk, we speak, we listen, but you cannot control a child, not when they're teenagers or later. So to understand this fundamental principle, the fact that there are things in life I control, there are things in life I cannot control. Number one task, determine the difference. Everybody's different. Sit down and think about it. What are things that I can control? And what are things I cannot control? Let me focus on the things I can control. Yes, I can control spending time with my kids and not ignore them or pretend that I'm listening. I cannot control what decisions they're going to make, especially when they're older. You talk to husbands and wives, almost always, you're going to find some differences. If you study psychology, they tell us about these major five traits. Some people are introverts, some people are extroverts. Some people are agreeable, some people are disagreeable. One of the biggest problems in, in the house is that some people are orderly and some people are not. This is in your genes. You might have some OCD or something, I don't know. But you're obsessed about how the spoon should be next to the knife. And the other person does not care. It's a big problem. But see what happens when you understand that this is not under your control. If you're high on uh, neuroticism and they're not. Right? Or if you're agreeable and they're not. You cannot change them and they cannot change you. If you're conscientious, everything has to be on time and they're not. You're not going to be able to change them. But this is when you start looking for compromises. Marriage is about compromises. Don't think you're not manly enough. If, you, if you're looking for a compromise, some people think, well, um, it's taking my manhood away. I mean, you want to live a peaceful life or not? <laughs> Just decide. I mean, or if, if manlyhood is more important, and it's nothing to do with manhood, to be honest. Manhood is outside the house, not inside the house. Who was more manly than the Prophet ﷺ? When he was inside the house, he would participate in housework. He, he would uh, fix his own uh, clothing. He would fix his own shoes. 
right? He would participate in the housework. Just to tie it up to this important concept, there's a beautiful hadith. And I think this hadith is, I mean, the, the principal hadith when it comes to marriage life. This hadith, uh, you know, the hadith says, لَا يَفْرَكُ مُؤْمِنٌ مُؤْمِنَةً A believing man should not dislike or despise, that's يَفْرَك, a believing man should not despise or dislike a believing woman. And here the Prophet ﷺ was talking about a husband and wife. Okay? So it says, لا يفرق مؤمن مؤمنة إن كره منها خلقا رضي منها آخر Because if he dislikes one quality, one behavior, he's gonna like another. You cannot imagine the amount of wisdom that is packed in this hadith. I mean, first it's telling us, and we all know it, but it's telling us, don't focus on the negative. There's no perfect human being. If you want to look for the negative, you will find it. I assure you, most certainly, most definitely, you're going to find it. But the vast majority of the time, the negative is not much. It could be 10%. And the positive is 90%. And we focus on what? On the 10%. And we make our lives miserable because of it. So this is one thing we learned from the get-go. Don't look and don't focus on the negative. You're always going to find it if you look for it. Rather, turn away and look for the positive. But one thing you also find in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ did not say, Try and change the negative. Again, listen carefully. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, it says, لا يفرق مؤمن مؤمنة. A believing man should not dislike a believing woman. And then he said, if he dislikes one behavior, one quality, he would like another. He didn't say, if he dislikes a quality, he should try and change it. He should talk, he should have a private meeting and talk to his spouse about it and try to change her mind. None of that is mentioned. Because the Prophet is wise, Just talking to her for the hundredth time, or talking to him for the hundredth time, it's not gonna change it. Because this is the way they are. It's not that they don't want it. We have to understand, we are molded in a certain way. Of course, there are things we can change. We have to, we have to respect the differences. We have to appreciate those differences. If you want somebody to, to be a carbon copy of you, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I think if we come to that realization, no doubt it's going to diminish the amount of bickering, the amount of fights you have in the house, and it's going to make the marriage much more real. You, you know, you are a real man, she's a real, real woman. We all realize, we're adults, we all realize that we're different and we're willing to live with it. And then comes all the other hadith, you know, the hadith, the beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, the best of you, the Prophet said, the best of you are the best to their spouses, to their wives. This is how the Prophet determined how good you are by being good to your wife. It's a measure of how good you are. 
What happens nowadays, we're so nice outside, mashallah. Oh, this brother is so sweet. He goes inside the house, he's a monster. What happened? And I think it happens both ways, by the way. I mean, the abuse might be different. But you hear some women, they say they have so much resentment. And she says, you know, I'm going to get back at him. I'm going to ruin him financially. I'm going to start spending his money left and right. And this is my way of getting back at him. There should not be anything like I mean, there are no winners here. I hope you, I hope you realize. There are only losers. It's a lose-lose situation. But you hear it all the time. Anytime you start building resentment, there's a problem. Talk about it. Even if you fight, it's better than. Wallahi, if you fight and it's over, it's much better than building this resentment. And you're doing stuff to spite the other. And finally, I have one minute left. <laughs> um, the Prophet ﷺ once told Aisha radiallahu anha, Ya Aisha, it's, it's a different context, but it totally applies to marriage. He said, Ya Aisha, ma kana rifqu fi shay'in illa zana, wa ma kana l'umfu fi shay'in illa shana. Like these are beautiful hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. Either we don't remember them, or we don't know them, or we don't apply them. He said, O oh Aisha, Rifq is gentleness. Nowadays we think gentleness and gentlemen is a Western creation. The Prophet used that word, If you translate Rifq, the best translation is to be gentle. I cannot find any better translation. If you can, please let me know. And he said, gentleness is not put in anything. Not just marriage, in anything. Except it will make it balanced. Like we say, even-headed. Someone who is balanced. You put gentleness in any matter, and of course in marriage, it will make it right. It will make it beautiful. Umf is the opposite, it's violence. Anytime you put violence, now we talk about domestic violence. If you put violence instead, which is the opposite of gentleness, you're going to have ugliness from shana, from shame. You're going to have a, an ugly marriage. These are the words of the Prophet If you go into a house and all you hear is yelling, screaming, and shouting, and cursing, cussing, and swearing, that's a sign of umf, violence. I mean, violence, again, doesn't have to be physical. I mean, of course, eventually it will turn into a physical act. But that's too late. Thank you. Thank you so much.